Welcome to episode 67, which is actually special to me. It's my birth year, so I'm going to date myself age-wise um, of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. And this week, Dell Technologies reported that it has posted several open RAN wins in the uh, European Union. But the question is, can these really materially impact 5G deployment? So right now, Vodafone um, is the only production win, and it was for COTS or um, common off-the-shelf server um, platforms. But as I've mentioned on prior podcasts, um, Dell has a, a reinvigorated telecom focus with some management changes and um, resource dedication to it as well. But I, I think you know this sort of points to what Dell's really good at and providing you know um, IT infrastructure building blocks. Now, in addition to the Vodafone win, um, there are also other uh, wins, but they're more proof of concept. And so, and I've talked uh, to this point as well, you know, beyond, you know, greenfield deployments, which are quite obvious when, when you look at Rakuten Mobile in Japan, um, obviously DISH in the U.S. and likely Reliance, uh, uh, Geo in, in India, um, I, I think that's where Open RAN is really going to have an impact from, from my perspective. I mean, honestly, um, operators have, have made commitments in the RAN months, if not years ago. And so, you know, from my perspective, Open RAN is likely going to have a greater impact on, on 60, 6G in general, but would love to get your input on this as well, buddy. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a big deal for Dell, obviously, because they've been trying for quite some time to, to get some momentum. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think one thing to consider is that they... Um, have not let up on their ORAN efforts um, and they want to be a big player in the space and they don't want to lose relevance or, you know, uh, necessarily uh, be, be a tier two player. I think they want to be considered a tier one, but I don't think they're at that point yet. And I think this is kind of on the way for them to be considered a serious player, right? Like when Samsung entered the market, Nobody really considered them a serious player, but now I think, you know, everyone considers them a tier one player. So um, I think this is kind of a step on Dell's journey to being considered a tier one. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I believe if, if you kind of look at kind of the traditional, you know, PC vendors, IT, you know, server vendors, IT infrastructure vendors, um, HPE, I mean, they're, they're leading this space. I mean, they have the most mature uh, telco group. Um, they're publishing blueprints. They, they do have um, server platforms that are NEB certified and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I've, I view Dell as, you know, as a second, you know, fast follower uh, with Lenovo still, you know, building their, their telecom group, um, seeing mainly, you know, proof of concepts out of, uh, out of Lenovo. They, they did have a, an event this week that I was not able to attend. Um, so I didn't get any relevant, you know, updates there, but, but I, but I agree with you. I mean, Dell's, you know, they're, they're putting the right resources in place to make a real run at this. So uh, we will definitely keep, you know, tabs on, on what's going on and report back in the future. But let's move to your first topic this week, you know, and the, the big news, obviously that everyone's been talking about 
is the iPhone 13 launch with Apple. And you wanted to provide some perspective on that because you actually attended the virtual event, right? Yeah, so um, iPhone 13 launched this week um, and there was a lot of news. Uh, there were multiple models announced, but um, what's interesting is that um, there was um, a lot of 5G related news specifically for the iPhone 13 mm -hmm. um, because first of all, um, you didn't have millimeter wave on any models other than the US model. Um, and on top of that, uh, there are five different versions of the iPhone um, for different markets. Um, the new iPad mini that they announced does not have, it does have 5G, but it does not have millimeter wave, mm -hmm. which is consider. Um, yeah. And then there are um, different models for the US, Canada, Japan, global, China, Hong Kong, Macau, and Russia. So there's technically six models um, that are gonna be available um, for the iPhone um, in general. Uh, and then on top of that, there's more 5G bands being added um, with um, some of the new CBRS bands, um, as well as um, some of the uh, mid-band bands, which were already supported. Um, yeah, yeah. But the iPhone is probably going to be the, the, you know, the phone that supports the, supports the most bands this year. Um, but on top of that, um, there was um, some really aggressive um, carrier promotions um, that we saw coming from AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile. Um, mm -hmm. So initially, they had a certain set of deals. And then T-Mobile came out. T-Mobile and AT&T came out with pretty aggressive deals and Verizon updated theirs. So now if you're on Verizon um, and you have a, um, a, I believe any unlimited plan or no, theirs is still tied to their top tier uh, unlimited plans, but it would let you get a pro for free with didn't before AT&T's deal on any unlimited plan will get you a pro or a mini for free but if you want a Pro Max, then it's $99. Um, and then if you want a, a regular iPhone 13, it's um, $99 as well. But um, that depends on um, whether you do a eligible trade in an unlimited plan. Yeah. Um, so you still have to trade in your device with AT&T, but you can get it with any unlimited plan. With T-Mobile, to get your free iPhone, um, you have to... Uh, have the top tier unlimited plan. So basically what you're seeing is all these operators are being very aggressive on the iPhone 13 in terms of trying to get them in people's hands. Um, and what's interesting about T-Mobile's deal is actually they have a promotion where they're going to let you have a new iPhone every two years for eternity, as oh. long as you keep trading in your iPhone, yeah. um, which I think is a really interesting idea um, yeah. because that builds real strong brand loyalty um, and it keeps people on the top tier plan, which is the most expensive, which increases ARPU. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's seen as a promotion, so it doesn't necessarily um, get tracked separately from the revenue, even though it's chewing into the revenue because they're giving you money back for the phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, something that is unrelated, but somewhat related, I think, 
was that T-Mobile CFO talked about um, how they were having some issues with Samsung supplying enough devices. I read and, that. Yeah, and and T-Mobile is a very Samsung heavy carrier compared to the others. So mm-hmm. I think this is this promotion might be part of a way for them to diversify their user base a little bit away from Samsung so that they don't struggle with, um, you know, potentially not having enough devices for users when they come in and want to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, if we think back to the original iPhone launch, right, AT&T in the U.S. was the launch partner with Apple there. And so, yeah. And, you know, and I, and that, that's a great observation with T-Mobile and, and, and Android as well. But I think, you know, the, the net effect of this is, you know, not only from an ARPU perspective, right? I think that's clever, but with these aggressive promotions, they're they're trying to move, you know, some older generation non five G enabled, um, you know, iPhone users into the five G world, and obviously that's going to help with you know sunsetting, you know, three G networks and you know and, and that sort of thing. So I think it's got you know these promotions have multiple benefits to the, to the carriers, you know, longer term down the road, but um, certainly, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, Apple really, you know, hopping on the 5G bandwagon, but, you know, one of the interesting things that I heard from some other colleagues is that there wasn't a really a lot of talk about 5G, right? During the Apple uh, announcement. Uh, there was a little bit. Um, it was kind of uh, an afterthought. Um, yeah. But I think that it was intentional by Apple because they're trying to downplay the role of 5G in selling the iPhone 12, even though I actually think it was a very big factor. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, you know, the iPhone 13 in general, it does have some performance boosts on the GPU side, especially. But mm-hmm. overall, I think the user experience will not be that different from the iPhone 12. Yeah. Um, so I think the operators are looking for a way to boost sales um, because I don't think this phone has much hype around it, in my opinion. Yeah, right, um, right. And the other thing I wanted to correct was uh, AT&T's update to their deal was that all three versions of the iPhone are available for free, okay. um, which was not the case when they started their promotion. Yeah. Um, so now basically all operators are offering um some version of the iPhone 13 for free. And then some of them are offering, you know, pro models like AT&T is uh, for free as well. Um, While others are charging a little bit more for it, but either way you can get an iPhone three for 13, basically for free at any carrier. What's interesting is it's not just for new customers. It's also for existing customers. And that's why I think that these carriers are trying to prevent churn because Mm -hmm. You know, if they only do it for new customers, they're churning each other's customers yeah. uh, to get new iPhones. And by uh, offering their customers to stay, I can say for a fact that I have a couple of friends that were like, if they don't offer it for existing customers, I'm leaving to somebody else. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I think that's a part of it. Um, so I think we're going to see less churn, actually, I think, because, the, you know, why would you switch carriers if they're going to offer it to you as well? Yeah, that's a great that's a great insight. I didn't even really kind of doctor that one. So good stuff, man. Well, let's move to my second topic this week. And I want to talk about US cellular. So US cellular is considered, you know, the you know, the fourth, you know, largest carrier behind, you know, T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon. And we'll see how Dish, you know, ramps their 5G network. But they primarily serve rural America. 
And so this week um, they announced that they have chosen Nokia for their 5GSA core. And this one builds upon um, prior um, RAN trials with millimeter wave and Qualcomm. Um, this announcement though also um, highlighted that, that Samsung networks as well as Ericsson is gonna get a piece of, um, of the RAN business as well. So they're really spreading you know, that, that, that RAN um, you know, um, share among, you know, you know, you know, three infrastructure providers, but I, I wasn't aware until of this announcement of the prior trials with, with millimeter wave and what's interesting, um, you know, it's Nokia Airscale and, um, they're also leveraging, um, some of Nokia's capabilities with fixed wireless access, um, to help sort of bridge, you know, these connectivity gaps in rural America. And I've spoken FWA in the past on prior podcasts as, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a key linchpin consideration element in the overall, you know, kind of bridging the digital divide, you know, as, as is, you know, low earth orbit, you know, satellite connectivity and that sort of thing. So I'm wondering, do you have any, uh, any insight there? Uh, I think this is a natural win for Nokia because I, you know, I've been covering a lot of their, their, um, their millimeter wave trials with Qualcomm. And um, it's been both them and Ericsson have been doing a lot of trials. Um, I think the most recent one was actually an Ericsson trial on the millimeter wave side. Right. Um, but Nokia does have a lot of experience in there as well. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, building a SA core is important um, for, for new use cases. So uh, it was an inevitability that US Cellular would choose somebody for their SA core. Um, yeah. It's good to see that Nokia uh, is getting a win here, even though you know U.S. Cellular is by size much smaller than the the big three. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think this is this is a great win for Nokia, and it points to their success under new leadership and and sort of turning turning that ship around. And you know they've they've traditionally been you know very strong in RAN, and so um, but but certainly. Um, U.S. Cellular is wanting to kind of spread that probably for continuity of supply, you know, amongst, you know, three major infrastructure providers. But we'll, we'll keep tabs on this and report back as things develop. Um, let's move to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about, um, it's a spectrum auction, right, that's, that's coming up. Yeah, so um, there's a new spectrum auction that we've been talking about for the last few months. Um, this is the 3.45 to 3.55 gigahertz midband auction. So it's 100 megahertz of spectrum. Um, and the, uh, the people over at Light Reading have dubbed it the Andromeda auction. Um, and they chose it mostly because of uh, the, the TV show. Um, and uh, it's auction 110 is a technical term for it. Um, but uh, Mike Dano over at uh, Light Reading has been the one kind of driving this uh, discussion at least. Um, but what's interesting is there's a lot of talk about what this auction might mean and how much it might cost. Um, because if you look at, you know, who spent what money on the uh, C-band auction, I think we would all agree that Verizon's most likely tapped out. Um, and that most likely we're going to see uh, a lot of bidding from AT&T um, yeah. and that we'll probably see a lot of bidding from T-Mobile as well, um, but probably less so just because um, T-Mobile is already pretty spectrum rich yeah. at a lower band. 
um, which is good for them. But I think T-Mobile is also very aware that um, they don't want uh, AT&T to get the spectrum too cheaply. Um, and that they also want to have spectrum available to them in places where they might not have enough spectrum on 2.5 or where they might want to have access to more spectrum simply because um, you know, they, they bid on the C-band as well and, and won some, some auctions there. So um, I expect that the big bidders um, will be AT&T, T-Mobile, and possibly DISH. Um, but I'm still kind of questioning whether or not DISH will, will participate simply because um, they haven't been participating in a lot of these auctions, even though they should be. Yeah, um, and yeah. th- their lack of participation, in my opinion, has drawn some criticism um, because uh, there is uh, a need for them to acquire their own spectrum. Otherwise, they're going to just be seen as another MVNO. So um, the, the one analysis uh, that I saw out there says that they might uh, acquire, AT&T might acquire the maximum of 40 megahertz. Um, mm-hmm. So this, there is a maximum allowed allotment um, yeah. for somebody to acquire out of this 100 megahertz because in the C-band auction, uh, you know, Verizon acquired, I believe, 100 megahertz of spectrum themselves yeah. um, in total. Um, and so did uh, AT&T. So um, there's lots of um, questions whether or not uh, AT&T will go for the full 40 megahertz. Um, but I think T-Mobile and AT&T are going to be the biggest bidders here. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, you know, I think um, AT&T will, will probably come out of this with, um, you know, the biggest position. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all unwinds. And I'm sure we'll talk about it on a future podcast. But let me move to my third and final topic this week. And I want to talk about Telefonica. Um, I've been somewhat critical of uh, European carriers in the past, you know, focusing on just, you know, you know, 5G deployment and, and, and all you can eat, you know, you know, unlimited plans and not really focusing on discrete, you know, 5G services and that sort of thing. So I was encouraged this week when Telefonica announced that it's partnering with a Spanish venture capital company to fund um, a disruptive technology uh, allotment that's tied to 5G, IoT, and AI. Um, I expect Edge will be, you know, uh, a consideration there as well. And, um, you know, the goal is to raise um, up to 250 million euros. And, uh, you know, the, the, the real question is, you know, can this, you know, facilitate, you know, meaningful new use cases and services? And I believe it can. Um, when you when you look at what you know uh, and you know we never want to be you know regional you know you know focused but we both live in the U.S. and so and we're very close to the to the, the, the proof for ones. Um, all of them have demonstrated commitments to proof of concept labs and those sorts of things to bring you know startups and those sorts of companies you know into these labs you know fund the technology and we're seeing you know you know from AT and T and Verizon a lot of um, very innovative use cases around just in general, um, um, factory automation, <clears throat> public safety, and, and that sort of thing. So um, I think this is a great step forward. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, Deutsche Telekom do some similar things in Germany, but but this number really wowed me, you know, 250 million euros is, you know, is, is quite a bit of money. And, and certainly I expect that, you know, part of Telefonica's, uh, in, you know, investment is to, um, is to actually monetize some of these services as well. You know, when, when I talk to the Verizons and AT&Ts of the world, it seems like it's more altruistic. It's they sort of look at, you know, 
that activity as an enabler to, you know, drive, you know, sort of adoption and reduce churn and, and that sort of thing. But this could really move the needle. So I'm, I'm wanting uh, to get your perspective on it as well. Um, I think, you know, in Europe, a lot of these things are generally run by the government. Um, the government does a lot of investment. The government does a lot of, um, you know, seed funding for projects. Um, so it's nice when you see European companies investing um, in these things. Um, and they tend to be pretty efficient with their money. Um, there isn't much waste. And honestly, uh, you know, it's a very different structure in Europe than there is in the U.S. because of, you know, the government aspect of things. Um, but I do think that it helps when there's more funding from the private sector as well. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Telefonica is, is a fairly large company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they are, they do about $40 billion a year in revenue. Um, I think, you know, they might even be doing more. It might even be 50 or 60 at this point. I think it's 40 billion euros. So we're looking like $60 billion a year. Um, and realistically, you know, they're profitable. They, they can throw a couple hundred million dollars into a, a VC fund to facilitate 5G and IoT capabilities, mm -hmm. especially when those things, you know, being used uh, on their network. Because um, Telefonica, you know, they're not just present uh, in Spain, right? They have different ownerships across South America um, and they are um, overall, you know, a very large operator. You know, they, they, they own Movistar, O2, um, Telefonica Brazil. So they're all over the place. So I think this is a, a net po positive for them. Um, and, you know, they're a very profitable company. I think in 2020, they made $6.5 billion. So um, they're not, they're not hurting. Um, and I think Telefonica, you and I would both agree is a very um, proactive and innovative operator in Europe compared to what we've seen in other places. So um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's been a while since I've been to Spain um, and I would, I, you know, I haven't had a, a chance to try their 5G network. Um, but ironically enough, my mom is there right now, uh, and I told her to to, to use Movistar. So, um, yeah, it's I'm I'm hoping to see this kind of spark some innovation and growth for them. Um, in yeah, five yeah, I love it. Putting your mom to work uh, for you—that's awesome. Um, I'll just make one final comment. Um, I was impressed with Telefonica. You know, during the height of COVID, they proactively launched um, a set of, you know, kind of online, you know, resources that folks could um, access. It was, it was very educational. It spanned grade school through, you know, skill up, you know, opportunities. And they did that at, you know, there was no additional charge for its subscriber base to do that. So this just points to another very, you know, proactive, innovative, you know, thought process on the, on the part of Telefonica. I was going to add to that. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. I recently read an article about how I think it's a Valencia a region in Spain um, is literally one of the lowest COVID rates in the world. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why is because they're using data scientists and AI to, to use predictive measures based on real time COVID situations to preemptively ratchet restrictions up and down in places as they're needed. And they partnered with Telefonica to be able to track people and being able to like understand their movements and who they've interacted with, which might not fly in the US, but it works. Um, yeah. And it's, and, and some of the people that are part of this project, 
previously worked for Telefonica. So like there's a very strong culture of innovation and proactiveness that you're seeing coming out of the, the Telefonica awesome. culture. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, great insight, bud. All right, man. Let's move to your third and final topic this week. You want to talk about DISH? And they're, it sounds like they're preparing to test uh, some of their low band spectrum, right? Yeah, so they are looking to test some of their 600 megahertz spectrum, which uh, during COVID, they were actually leasing out um, to T-Mobile um, to expand their uh, bandwidth capabilities during the pandemic when everybody was stuck at home. Um, but now they're talking to the FCC asking to test carrier aggregation of 600 megahertz in non-contiguous blocks. So they want to aggregate their 600 megahertz spectrum together in a way to allow for more bandwidth, um, but also at the same time still have great coverage because 600 megahertz has the best coverage characteristics of any band we have in the US. Um, and they are looking to do this in Denver and Las Vegas, which makes sense since Las yep. Vegas is one of their launch markets and Denver, because, well, I think Denver is, uh, their home base, isn't it? Yeah. They're headquartered in Boulder, I believe. Um, yeah, but you're right. So, um, you know, the, uh, the reality is, is that it looks like they're getting ready to launch, um, and, it looks like they want to build a good coverage base with 600, which I think makes total sense because it's kind of a replication of T-Mobile's strategy. Yeah, it is. And, you know, what's what, what I like about their focus on, it, it, you know, Las Vegas makes sense, right? T-Mobile has, you know, a very impressive footprint and deployment there. And, you know, given, you know, some of the things that T-Mobile had to do uh, to get the Sprint deal done, there were, you know, concessions and spectrum sharing and, and other things, you know, with, with DISH there. But what I also like about the Colorado market, their home market, is that right now um, AT&T doesn't have its 5G uh, footprint deployed there. Now, that's obviously going to change over time. But, uh, but I think, you know, those are two great, you know, markets for them to really focus on. So, um, yeah. Well, hey, buddy, it was another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our listeners and viewers found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide us insights on a future 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Whale Town Tech and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.